The following has been brought to you by SJP World Media. But you don't know why I'm here. Hey! Hey! Oh, it's okay! Alright! It's Sting! Okay! And it's, it's Sting! This is where the big boys play, huh? Look at the adjective. Play. CW Monday Nitro, where the big boys play every Monday night at 8 on TNT. Hello and welcome to Nitro Nights, a WCW look back podcast, one show at a time. As we fly through all the Nitros, eventually hitting Thunder, Clash of Champions, all the pay-per-views, everything WCW did from episode one of Nitro until the day it closed its doors in 2001. My name is Sai, and with me, as always, is the wrestling encyclopedia himself, Scottish Danny. How are we doing, my friend? I'm really well, thank you, Sai. We're just uh, here for another week of exciting Nitro. Exactly, exactly. This week's Nitro comes from Salisbury, Maryland, and the ratings TV-wise, and this is quite important because of something that gets said later on, uh, the ratings this week, Nitro scored a 2.9, but Raw won marginally with a 3.1. So there we go. That's another victory there for Raw. But the ratings are still going very much back and forth, back and forth. No one side is dominating at the moment, I guess, Danny. Yeah, definitely. You can see it in the weeks we've been watching. Um, what they're doing, what they're putting on versus Raw is just mind-blowing, isn't it? Mm, yes. This show, as always, opens with our commentators of Bischoff, McMichael and Heenan running through a couple of things that are going to happen on the show. And the main one is being described as effectively a double main event. I guess we've got Hulk Hogan versus Arn Anderson and a rematch from what we saw last week. And we've also got Randy Savage versus Ric Flair, which is a huge deal as well, but we're opening the show with Hogan versus double a, which I think is a brilliant way to open the show. I mean, the main event you know, the Savage Flair matches for the world title. To me, that should close the show. So opening with Hogan and R. Anderson, brilliant stuff, Danny. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. Um, it's really cool to see that where we left off last week is exactly where we begin. So I really like that they've put in, uh, it might be the same match, but there's something special about this. Um, so I'm not sure if you caught it. And what's that? It's no, disc- it's no holds barred match. Is it really? Yes, it was announced, uh, which is very strange considering the finish, but we'll get into that. <laughs> but yeah, this is this was advertised as a no-hold-barred match, which um, is, if you look at the ending of last week's episode, which we watched, it was uh, very much called for here. 
Oh, okay. I I I completely missed that. How unprofessional am I? No. <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> I think I think it should have been on the announcers to remind fans because nowadays they say it every five seconds, don't they? Just to remind the fans to say, "Oh, why is he using the chair? Why is he using that?" But yeah, yeah this is um, yeah, this was no holds barred. Ah, okay. Well, there you go. Look, there you go. Arn Anderson comes out with Woman, and I mean this pairing just looked great. Arn always looks great. Woman always looks fantastic as well. It is is brilliant. Hogan's music hits, and we straight away realise that this is a very pro Hogan crowd. They are very into the Hulkster here. And as this is going on, we can hear Eric Bischoff commenting about a whining noise he can hear coming from the northeast of the building. Obviously, a reference towards the WWF because that's the rough direction that they were facing at the time, which I thought was a bit of a subtle dig that some people might not have picked up on. Uh, one of Bischoff's more subtle because they become less and less subtle, I think, Danny. They do, yeah, especially headed into the weeks we're going to be looking at. It's like Eric Bischoff definitely had an axe to grind, didn't he? He did. He did. It's like poking the bear, isn't it? He knows he's going to get a reaction. He knows deep down he's getting under McMahon's skin. And I reckon just thinking about how, you know, I don't know Bischoff, of course, but what I know of Bischoff, I guess, from what I've read and, and interviews and so on, he probably bloody loves it, doesn't he? He's definitely reveling in this. Um, this is uh, this is he's in his element. Mm. We get another reference to the WWF as well during this match because the episode of Baywatch with Hogan, Savage, Flair, Sullivan, and numerous others is going to air uh, very soon. I mean, they're giving out the date and the time of when this show will air. The Baywatch episode with the WWE stars in it, and Bischoff also mentions there was another guy who was involved in this episode of Baywatch, who left here with his tail tucked between his legs after basically Paul Orndorff beat the crap out of him backstage, and that was Vader. And again, so again, another dig at the WWF, but this time maybe not quite as sly. No, it wasn't. And it was, it was very bitter, wasn't it? It was like, uh, they're just because at, at the moment he's on a big push in the WWF and... It's a shame. Uh, I didn't like this, to be honest with you, because uh, it was kind of ruining Vader for the WWF, for, at least for the fans. Well, potentially, potentially. I suppose the I mean, ultimately, from a business standpoint, I can see what Bischoff is doing. Obviously, he's trying to basically make out my product is better than yours. And if you've got a guy who is in the main event picture on Raw, and the way the way they handled Vader coming into the WWF was very well done, I think. Anyway, with the Rumble debut, and then he attacks Gorilla Monsoon, and all this sort of stuff. And then by SummerSlam, he's entered into a program with Shawn Michaels, who was the number one guy. So I think up to that point, they handled Vader pretty well. I mean, the, the wheels fell off relatively quickly, in my opinion, but the, the arrival was handled quite well. So if you've got a guy that you're building up to be a challenger to your world champion. The other side of the uh, of the what well, the other channel, the other side of the coin, the other side of the wrestling war, I suppose, is there saying, yeah, but he left here his tail between his legs. We've got a mid carder here; he barely features. He beat the crap out of him for real. It does really belittle what the competition are doing. I think. Yeah, it really does, and it's it's a shame all round, to be honest with you. But I see your point as well. But it's just bad for Vader. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, Hogan dominates large portions of this match, especially at the start. 
And my mind now is slightly different to the notes I have in front of me because, again, I didn't twig. This was no DQ. But I've got a note here stating that Hogan is such a cheat because he's doing all sorts of stuff that, in theory, is against the rules. But I suppose now you pointed out to me that it's no DQ. There are no rules. So I maybe no. I should retract that comment. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's totally cool because um, I think the biggest thing for me in this uh, in Hulk Hogan dominating was uh, the damage he could have done to Arn Anderson's fantastic level co. Yeah, Arn's got a couple of outfits now, hasn't he? He's he's got that leather waistcoat effort that looks pretty badass. I, I think you got to look a certain way. You got to be a certain level of cool to pull off a waistcoat, and Arn manages it. And he's also got that bomber jacket with Enforcer stitched in the back. That is so mid-90s. I had a bomber jacket in the mid-90s. I didn't have Enforcer on it, but I had a, I had a well, pretty much everyone I knew, to be fair, had a bomber jacket in the mid-90s. I don't think you could pull it off now, but I bet Arn Anderson could. Oh, definitely. I hope he has it still, to be honest with you, and shows up on the AEW with it one day. Yeah. <laughs> I think via... Oh, I can't remember the name of the company now, but it's... Comrade Thompson's sort of podcast network, I guess. And Arn Anderson has a show on there. You can buy Enforcer jackets now, but they are ridiculously expensive. And I think if I parted with that sort of money for a, a bomber jacket in the year 2022 with Enforcer stitched in the back, my wife would kill me. So, yeah, maybe not. Oh, like yeah, de- definitely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bischoff also says during this match, and it's a claim he makes pretty much every week, this is the most watched wrestling show, and it's not even close. Reminder, the ratings this week, they lost 3.1 to 2.9. So there we go. Um, <laughs> one thing I do like from our Anderson here is we get the an attempt anyway at the, the fake-out DDT, I suppose. He goes to throw a punch, so Hogan ducks, and he grabs his head. and go, Well, H- Hogan escapes the DDT, but I love the attempt anyway. That fake-out DDT, I think, is really clever, Danny. That is, yeah, that's what I wrote down as well. I said Hulk Hogan blocks two DDTs and, um, yeah, something we don't see enough of of today, is it? Mm, Yeah, just a little bit of, you know, thinking about things. Like Sometimes you'll see Arn hit a DDT when his opponent has put his head down for a back body drop and some stuff like that. And I, I really like that sort of, I suppose Randy Orton's coined the phrase very much now for the RKO, but very much a sort of a DDT coming out of nowhere, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, Hogan escapes that that attempt anyway, though. Does the whole hulking up routine. Puts on a figure four again in a really clunky, wonky, wobbly way. Kevin Sullivan runs out. He's cut off by Randy Savage, but the referee only sees Savage and disqualifies Hulk Hogan. So Arn wins again. All hail Mr. Anderson. I couldn't believe it, so this finish of this uh, no holds barred match was a disqualification. <laughs> I don't. I just it's ridiculous again. It's, I don't. Oh, it but, it makes me laugh. I mean, just it's just there's always that saying of um, WSW just bad at finishes. I think it's it's per- a perfect example is here. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I enjoyed Arm winning, don't get me wrong. And it does. I mean, everything we're doing at the moment with regards to the Dungeon of Doom, the Horseman, uh, the World Championship on Flair, Hogan, Savage, uh, uh, you know, Liz turning as well. It's just one long continuation, continuation of the story, isn't it? And again, this is uh, just another step in the story to where they want to take us. So I had no real massive problems with this, to be fair. 
Yeah, the same here. I mean, as you just put it perfectly, Arn Anderson gets his second week, his second win in a row um, over Hulk Hogan. Yes, it's bad disqualification, but it's still it's a win over the biggest name in wrestling at the time. And we're just happy that Arn Anderson won. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Bloody love Arn. He's fantastic. Um, our next match is... Again, another attempt at, I suppose, pushing the Dungeon of Doom's new big monster to go and you know take down Hulkamania for whatever reason and purposes they have. I'm not 100% sure. Uh, and that's Loch Ness coming out to face Alex Wright. Now, this match for me is quite short and it's booked in a way that I think they, is what they tried to do with Loch Ness's debut on Nitro when we looked at this the other week in that Loch Ness is basically going to be booked as this big monster killer, no sell a lot of things and squash his opponent. It's kind of how they should have done the first match when Loch Ness came out, but it was a bit messy and a bit, you know, there's a, there's a few botches involved. This one, with regards to that previous match, sorry, Scotty Riggs, I think was at fault for some of that. This one, I think you've got to, whereas I'm not a fan of Loch Ness, he doesn't do anything for me, but Alex Wright here works his little German socks off, doesn't he, to try and uh, make Loch Ness look the monster killer that Bischoff and WCW want him to be. This was the attempt that, like you said, excellently put, um, they should have just done this in the first place. Um, Loch Ness had new music, new lightning, um, new like sort of pyro, but um, and he just kind of like, yeah, as far that's just presentation alone. And then, as you said, Alex Wright putting in a lot of work, and definitely this this should have been what we saw last week. Yeah, totally. Alex Wright starts with a lot of drop kicks. Uh, well, I say he starts with a lot of drop kicks. There is just a lot of drop kicks throughout the match. He's constantly trying to drop kick this monster down, and Loch Ness is literally just swatting these drop kicks away. And it looks good because Alex Wright's drop kick is quite, he's a very tall, gangly individual. His drop kick is very high and there's almost like a pop to it when it hits the opponent. So there's actually something there for Ness to knock away, to defend against, I guess. Whereas against Scotty Riggs, it felt like he was defending himself or he was no selling moves that weren't going to affect him in the first place, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. And I made uh, a note of this is is hilarious that um, Alex Wright would attempt to waste lock on uh, Loch Ness here. And I was thinking, why? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, spot on. It needs to be like Inspector Gadget, I think, to sort of extend those arms around and sort of be able to actually meet the waist lock. But yeah, Uh, we get a sleeper attempt as well by Alex Wright, which I thought was quite a clever move on his part wrestling his much larger opponent if he can get the sleeper on him get him down to the mat then you know that could that's a good game plan to me it makes it makes sense in the the story of the match i suppose but he's thrown over Loch Ness's shoulder slams to the mat quite quite viciously we then get a bear hug by Loch Ness now i hate this move as as many people are aware but here again it made sense Loch Ness is massive Alex Wright was as tall and uh, in shape and athletic as he is, seeing Loch Ness crushing him in his arms actually got the effect, I think, that a bear hug should put forward that sometimes we miss out on, I suppose. 
Yeah, it definitely did. And then I um, enjoyed, it. as you said, the story of the match, the psychology is like uh, Alex Wright is trying everything to win this match or try to get Loch Ness on, on his feet, off of his feet. And it's like, um, yeah, so like when the finish happens and Alex Wright gets kicked in the lower abdomen, as Eric Bischoff puts it, <laughs> but we know where he got kicked. <laughs> um, and then goes for the fall Nelson and gets the one, two, three. Um, it made a lot of sense, but yeah, I was very impressed with this match. What did you think of the match overall, sir? Um, the match overall, it's not going to win any plaudits for a match of the year or anything like that, is it? Ultimately, it's it's a relatively quick match. It's a squash, it, but it does its job. And that's why I'm sort of singing its praises as opposed to what we saw with the previous Loch Ness match. The big splat elbow as I've kind of christened it. It's just a massive elbow drop, but it's like his ribs and his armpit and his gigantic arm just comes down across his opponent. That, to me, even though it is effectively just an elbow drop, that's a really effective-looking finisher. And when that's hit, you know it's over straight away. So I, I think this, again, it's not anything I would rush back and watch again, but from the standpoint of making Loch Ness look like the monster they need him to be, it does its job. And I think the plaudits need to go to Alex Wright for that. Yeah, I'll totally agree with that because, and also how are you going to kick out of uh, Loch Ness um, just lying on top of you? You can't, can you? Well, this is it. This is it. You ain't going to get much space to move on you. Let's be fair. Um, <laughs> up next then we have, two guys that we're very, very familiar with, but not necessarily via Nitro Knights. It's two guys that have had quite long careers and two guys who are incredibly talented in ring. But maybe we recognise them more, Danny, for other work than this kind of run in WCW from the pair of them. Do you want to talk us through what we see next? Yep, definitely. So next we get um, two guys that have just really strong reputations of being backstage, uh, like more known for their backstage work than they're actually in ring work. And we have the Belfast bruiser, which is fit Finley, um, and Brad arms versus Brad Armstrong, which is, uh, which is, who's both are excellent. Um, I made a note down that I said, I loved Brad Armstrong's theme music. What did you think of that? Si? Yes. Yes. It was very good. It was very good. And, I, I made it with regards to the presentation and so on. This, these are two storming examples of mullet haircuts, aren't they? Oh yeah, big time. <laughs> this, I, I don't understand how either guy in 1990s. This isn't 1986. So like when the Rock and Roll Express were running around all mulleted up, and everyone thought it was fantastic. This is 1996. How could either of these guys look in the mirror and think, "Yep, that's the look for me." <laughs> that's a great point i mean you had a lot of mullets you had eddie guerrero you had chris benoit um and you had these two i mean 96 was truly the year of the mullets though yeah maybe i'm getting my, my timeline wrong but i always picture it being sort of mid 80s but yeah yeah there we go uh something of interest for me however mullets aside was the announcement from Eric Bischoff that there's a cruiserweight tournament coming up to crown the WCW cruiserweight world champion. And he lists various names that are going to be involved. And some of those guys are coming over from Japan. 
the likes of Jushin Liger and so on. So, yeah, exciting times, Danny. We're heading towards the, the famous WCW Nitro Cruiserweight time. Hopefully not long now because um, we definitely need to see some more uh, Cruiserweight matches because I've really enjoyed what we've seen so far and knowing that they're going to have a championship now is pretty cool. Yeah, and it does it does really get good on that side of things. I mean, Hubertu Guerrero comes in. Uh, obviously, we've already got Dean Malenko there. Ben uh, Benoit, I think, is involved in the Cruiserweight division at some point. Uh, you've got Jericho is involved as well. Obviously, Liger, as I mentioned, it's just so much talent. Rey Mysterio, of course, is going to be involved as well. It's so, so much talent. I mean, you wait till you see Rey Mysterio pre-knee injuries. Mysterio before he sort of knackered both his wheels, for want of a better term. Honestly, the Cruiserweights is something masterful to watch. It, the, the, it's, it's really looking forward to it, Danny. Can't wait, mate. Can't wait. But speaking of can't wait, I couldn't wait for this match to get started because we got a, a nice lockup to start, didn't we? And um, I found it funny the crowd chant in USA. Um, even I was Finley the baby face. I couldn't tell if uh, who was the uh, face and who was the heel. What did I you imagine. Think? I imagine Armstrong is supposed to be the face here. I, I, I would imagine um, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Normally he was in his career, but. The the big issue with Brad Armstrong is as as talented as the guy was in ring, and he really was talented. There's like little hidden gem matches on WCW shows, Clash of the Champion shows, going back to all sorts of different times, where Armstrong is in almost a throwaway contest. Like there's one, I think there's a, an early Clash or an early Super Brawl show where he wrestles a very young Chris Benoit, and it's second or third on the card. And it's a throwaway match. It's just put out there to have something in the match whilst they're building towards the main events and so on. But it's incredible because Armstrong in the ring is amazing. He also had a contest with Eddie Guerrero. I believe it might have been on an episode of Saturday Night or even a Thunder in later years. I'm not sure. And again, it goes under the radar because it was just a it was just a match that happened. There wasn't any story going in or anything like that. But it stole the show. It was an incredible watch. Armstrong in the ring is absolutely superb. The issue we've got is when it came to charisma or character work or any kind of any any kind of link with the audience, he just didn't have that side of things to his game. Now, whereas Benoit didn't really have that personality factor, he got away with it in other ways. Armstrong didn't quite make that step in the same way of Benoit or whoever could. So you've got this really talented in-ring performer who just never really got beyond, you know, uh, somebody that people kind of like because we're told he's the baby face who then loses to the bigger names on their way up, which is a real shame because the, the guy was so talented. And I think it shows in this match how great he is. I mean, obviously he's, wor- he's working with Finley here, who's, who's going by the name the Belfast Bruiser, who's also incredibly talented. But it shows that you were asking me before we started getting proper into this match, who the babyface was supposed to be. The fact that Armstrong didn't get that across to you as you were watching, I think it's testament to how that side of his game is lacking a bit. Yeah. Uh, but it was, I mean, it was a great match uh, yeah. nonetheless. And uh, we had uh, Finley working a few leg submissions in the match and uh, he gets a, a few arm thrusts, which looked great as well. Um, overall, I enjoyed it. 
yeah, and me, and me. I really enjoyed the match, and I, I, I could watch Armstrong matches again and again because you always expect a certain level from him. Uh, with regards to Finley, the, the Belfast Bruiser, obviously now he's a much older gentleman working backstage, you know, wherever he, he now is. I think he's worked for WWE backstage. And I think, is he at AEW now? Or maybe he's back in WWE? I'm not sure. I think better still with WWE, I think. Okay. I actually think with that dodgy mullet and the funny little moustache, he looks older in 96 than he does now. Definitely, yeah. I, w- I was going to say that. He, his, uh, he had another little run in uh, the mid-2000s, and he looked younger there than he did here. Yeah. <laughs> That's when he used to come out. What would they call it? The shillelagh, is that correct? Yes, that wooden, yeah, shillelagh yeah. and um, Hornswoggle slash Little Bastard. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah some He used to chuck him around. Did, he used to really rag that little guy around, didn't he? <laughs> he did, yeah, in those hardcore matches. And, um, yeah, yeah, I'm a big fan of Finley. Uh, he's definitely one of my favourites. Yeah, okay. Very, very talented guy. Uh, he, he ultimately wins this match, as you can expect, I guess, with a kind of a tilt-a-whirl slam sort of effort, Danny? I found that really weird. I wrote down running power slam slash tilt-a-whirl like you mm. did. And he, But the good thing about it is at least he got the one, two, three clean, which, as you know, as anyone knows who listens to this show, um, I'm just a huge fan of uh, clean finishes. And, yeah, it just helped the match. Uh, but here we are, the heel winning, though. So, interesting. My God, if you're a fan of clean finishes, mate, you're you're watching the wrong company back with me. Um, <laughs> Especially after the first uh, match we just watched. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ah, oh, there we go. So Finley picks up the win there. I hope we see more of Brad Armstrong. And ultimately, I hope we see a lot more of Finley as well, because I enjoyed, I enjoyed both guys here. But that takes us to our main event. It's Ric Flair versus Randy Savage for the WCW world title on television Oh my goodness, this is going to be, in theory, superb. However, whereas it was good, whereas I enjoyed it, because I'm a big flare mark, and uh, Savage is also excellent, I kind of now have the feeling of, okay, we've seen this a lot now. I feel that as well. That's what we were saying before we went on here, is... Uh, they wrestled a lot of times on Nitro, even in tag matches on pay-per-view. Um, yeah, yeah, this was a bit much for me, but I'm sure we'll get into it. As, uh, I mean, there were a few things that were different in this. I've written it down. Um, the biggest thing that disappointed me was, did you see whose name was on the championship belt, Ty? I didn't, and I keep trying to look, but you don't always get a good camera angle. So if there was one, I must have just missed it. But I, I always try and catch whose name is on the belt. Is it Mr. Hogan's? Uh, well, shockingly not. No, it's the Macho Man who uh, lost the championship weeks ago at this mm. point, didn't he? <laughs> so when Flair and Savage were holding the belt previously, it had Hogan's name on it. And my flair is holding the belt. It has Savage's name on it. Is that correct? Yes. Um, I think this is going to be a, a running theme of uh, Nitro Nights, whose name is on the championship. It also um, kind of worries me a bit because it means that they're not bothering to change the nameplate. So are they going to put the belt back on him very quickly? Or is Flair going to have a nice run here? We, we'll never know. Well, I don't know, mate. I don't know. It's It just... It just strikes me as just 
poor production. It's just bone idle, isn't it? It's just lazy. It's changed the bloody nameplate. It's not a big thing, but if we're noticing it, and we've noticed it more than what well, I say, we and more, more so yourself. If you're noticing it, and we've noticed it on more than one occasion, this is obviously a running theme. Now, this isn't a case of they made a mistake because mistakes can happen, of course. But this isn't a case of they made an error. This is this is a genuine issue that they now have that they're not changing the nameplate. So it just I mean, with the Hogan name on the belt, I thought, okay, it's Hogan. You know, it is what it is. Everyone, everyone kind of understand wrong on getting at with that point. I think, but if they got Savage's name when Flair is holding the belt, it just it eliminates all other reasoning behind it, other than they're just not arsed. That's a very good point. It's like, come on, guys. It's that like, you think Ric Flair of all people demand to have his name on the championship uh, that he's been carrying for just a little over two weeks now. Um, there's something else I wanted to bring up to you, Stad. The way this match starts is Macho Man spitting at Ric Flair. Um, that is something that uh, is seen very, very rarely in WWE. What, what is your stance on wrestlers spitting at each other? Ah, oh, what a question. Um, I think I, I'm not a fan. I don't like it. And I always look at it from the standpoint of, uh, as a parent, you're teaching your kids certain ways to behave. And then they see, I mean, if Flair did it, then you can explain that away to your kids as well. He's, he's Ric Flair, he's nasty, he's horrible, he's, you know, he's the bad guy, whatever. Savage doing it as the person in theory that the kids are cheering for. I suppose it's similar to Hogan raking the eyes and scratching the back and so on. It's the babyface doing heel shit. So I'm not a big fan of that anyway, but the actual spitting thing, I'm really not a fan of because ultimately it's bloody disgusting. People spitting each other. It's not on. It is. Sorry, go on. No, I was going to say, I completely agree with that. It is disgusting. Yeah. But again, with pro wrestling, Everything I think is done. We keep saying it here on Nitro Nights, but ultimately it's a business. So everything is done to try and make money. So there's two points of view for me for this. Then, if you spit at your opponent and it's not done very often, it it's going to get a reaction. Will that reaction equate to people enjoying what they're seeing that much that they spend more money on the product? I would argue potentially no, but I can understand why somebody would do that to try and add something different or, or really display how much they hate their opponent. It's not just a match. It's a, it's a, it's a rivalry and a hatred. I guess it's, um, it's a non-verbal, I suppose, sign as to how much they despise this individual that everyone on the television watching at home and everyone in the arena can see. So I suppose it adds to the match from that aspect, but I don't, I don't think taking away one wrestler spitting on another from any match will make any of those matches weaker. So if that's yeah. the case, why do it in the first place? <laughs> that's a great point. It's like why bother? But um, 
I still remember the first time I saw something like that was uh, was when Randy Orton spat on Triple H. I don't know if you remember this from 2004, and it's something I just cannot go back and watch again. I always, uh, whenever I watch like little clips or something, I always fast forward for it. Um, but you make a great point there about um, baby faces doing heel shit. That is very very good. Time. Oh, thank you very much. Um, <laughs> this match kind of, uh, as we said, it, it, it runs the kind of classic savage flair you know, a script i guess for one of a better phrase uh but the ending of the match is slightly different because we're effectively seeing a new character arriving danny do you want to talk us through the finish and, and how the show basically runs to its conclusion well, basically, as you said, it runs through the gimmick kind of thing where Ric Flair and Macho Man having their match, but then Woman throws her in her heel again, that mm. deadly heel that we've seen over the last four or five weeks. Um, and uh, Macho Man catches it and hits Ric Flair with it, which, again, is more heel, baby faces doing heel things, um, heel shit. But, yeah, but he, at that point, he only gets a two count. Then... Uh, Sullivan and Hulk end up brawling outside after coming out running. Arn Anderson comes in, hits the DDT on Savage, puts Flair on top of Savage, and Flair gets the one, two, three, which uh, is very, it was very action, uh, action uh, themed. I don't know what I'm trying to say. It was very, um, very fast paced. Um, what did you think yeah. of the finish, sir? Um, yeah, it's it's good because there's a lot of moving parts, and ultimately, I think going in, we're not going to see a world title change. I think that's quite the feeling I had anyway. We're not going to see a world title change, so it's the same as the Hogan Iron match that opened the show. In that, you've got all these moving parts heading to the conclusion of the story they're trying to tell, which we all assume is the next pay per view. So, this finish kind of you got woman involved, you've got. Uh, Sullivan involved again, Hogan's dying. I- I'm going to really contradict myself as well now because Savage using the the heel, the high-heeled shoe, yes, it's a good guy doing bad guy stuff, but I didn't mind that so much because it was, a, it was almost like it was taking advantage of an opportunity that was presented to him rather yeah. than it wasn't premeditated. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't, there wasn't a case of I'm doing this, you know, off my own train of thought it was a case of he's caught the shoe oh right okay wallop i so i don't mind that as much to be fair but i mean the the ending here i mean we'll get to the 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 new face or the the old face coming out as new or whatever in a moment but the ending here ends up i think for the first time in a long time actually making hogan and savage when they do their ranty shouty back and forth bullshit nonsense actually look quite good i i, I think it, it's for the first time it works in a long long time yeah because they may they may kind of look weaker here which um is very strange for the uh, 96 booking but yeah i totally agree with that but i am trying to um distract you enough side to hopefully we don't have to talk about that new face <laughs> oh dear no, in fact, we are going to talk about it because we have to. We have to. And oh, man. I'm, I'm going to throw over to you, Danny, for this one. Talk oh, us okay. through who comes down to help out Savage and Hogan. Well, after the uh, that unclean finish, you could say, thanks to Arn Anderson, we get a wild brawl. 
and I, this is my notes as I wrote down. I went, no way. Is that him? Is that Zodi? Oh, no, it's the booty man. <laughs> the, and the booty man has arrived in WCW, which I did not have read the booty man's name in uh, his Wikipedia, which has like 35 different ring names. I've never, actually, <laughs> I've never seen the booty man site ever. And I didn't know that this was the era that he debuted. I was thinking, oh, maybe that was pre-WWF or something like that. So that, it was very shocking to see the former Zodiac, uh, aka Hulk Hogan's weed carrier, debut here. <laughs> it was because we don't really get an explanation as to what's going on either. I think Mean Gene, effectively, we end up with the booty man who Hogan refers to as the booty, 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 booty man on numerous occasions. Uh, we get the booty man, Hogan, and Savage at the announce desk shouting into microphones and so on. Gene arrives and tries to sort of get some words as he were, as, as he explains it from the, the trio of good guys there asks who this is. And Hogan starts shouting about him being the booty, 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 booty man again, and all this sort of nonsense. Did you see them run Gene from the booty man and all, all that sort of stuff? But Gene yeah. is obviously trying to guide them to where, the, the, the sort of the bullet points they need to get across because next week we have a six-man tag match as our main event and it's Hogan teaming with Savage and the booty 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 man and he's taking on the trio of Sullivan Flair and Anderson but they obviously want to make that announcement on this show and Hogan and Savage are so I don't know whether they're just excited or coked up or I, I'm not sure but they're all just ranting and shouting and Ed Leslie, the former Brutus Beefcake, is running around slapping his arse at the camera and all this sort of stuff. Gene is desperately trying to guide them to saying, we want this tag match. Bischoff says we'll get it done. That is the one part of the end of the show that it got a bit messy for me because they obviously were missing what they were supposed to be saying. But again, I didn't mind the nonsense at the end this week. Normally Hogan and Savage ranting and shouting back and forth. I'm not a fan of, but this week it did kind of work for me. Yeah, I can see how, because we, it's leading to something else next week. Whereas a lot of the times it was leading to nothing or leading to um, Hulk Hogan and much around putting themselves over or more, more properly putting Hulk Hogan over. But this is actually trying to lead to somewhere for next week. And that six man tag does sound quite big time, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it does. We don't no mention as to who the booty man is, other than he is the booty man. There's no there's no reference point at all to the fact he literally what a week ago was the Zodiac in the Dungeon of Doom. I'm thinking, are they trying to pull the wool over our eyes and hope we don't notice? I don't know, but I'm sort of hoping that will be explained to us in future shows because nothing is explained here whatsoever. And then the show no. goes off the air, so. That kind of concludes that episode of Nitro, Danny. Uh, yeah, we, it was very weird. It was. It was indeed. It was a messy ending that was better than most messy endings, but still occasionally too messy to be really good, I guess, if that makes sense. <laughs> no, it does, yeah. And personally, I'm hoping that the booty man doesn't make it till next Nitro, but we shall see, Si. We shall see indeed. Uh, all that is left for us to do, Danny, my friend, is... 
pass some ratings upon this episode of Nitro we have watched here. So we have our plus points and our negatives, our good and our bads in our woos and our oh brothers. Brother, 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 brothers, brother. Woo! Brother. Do you want to go first or second? And do you want to go with a woo or no brother? I'll go first this week, Si, and I think um, I'm going to uh, follow in your footsteps and go negative first. Okay. So um, definitely it would be the finish of the no-holds-barred match with ending in a disqualification between Hulk Hogan and Arn Anderson. Um, that just made no sense whatsoever, and I just sat there. I had to rewind it and say, was that a no-DQ match? And it was. And then it was like, what's the point of this? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, fair enough, mate. Fair enough. My O brother this week is, I think, the same as what I gave last week off the top of my head. And that's Loch Ness. It just doesn't work for me. It just doesn't work for me. Uh, it's, Alex Wright did a great job in trying to make the guy look like the monster they need him to be, but he's just not mobile enough. And it, yeah, it, it's just not, maybe it clicks into place in the coming weeks before he obviously sadly finds out he's, he's poorly and has to leave. Maybe we see something a little bit better from Loch Ness before that sad date arrives. But literally looking at this show and reviewing it on, on the context of this Nitro, yeah, Loch Ness just ain't, ain't, ain't ticking the boxes for me, my friend. That I, I can see your point, um, which is uh, brings us to my woo, which is actually Loch Ness looked a bit better than last week. That was my ah, woo. Interesting. <laughs> interesting. Okay. No, fair enough. And that's funny because my woo involves that match as well. It's Alex Wright busting his ass to try and make Loch Ness look like the monster they want him to be. So I think this is that's quite interesting. The fact that you've got Loch Ness looking a bit better as your woo, and then I've got him as my old brother, and Alex Wright as my woo in the same match and so on. Yeah, really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, without a doubt, mate, without a doubt. So, hit miss or middling, bud? Um, I'm going to go with middle one, this one, because uh, it was, there was uh, the booty man kind of just ruined everything for me. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you, so. Right there. Right there. That is a t-shirt. The booty man just ruined everything for me. <laughs> you really did. <laughs> I mean, just, I mean, you put it excellently earlier. I mean, there was no explanation of who he was where he's been, where he came from, even. There was no explanation. He just randomly just ran in and attacked uh, the hills, and it was like, oh, who is this man? But if there was a little video package or something like that, maybe we could have got behind it. Mm, yeah, no, I understand. I understand. I, I, I was trying to play devil's advocate. I totally agree with you, by the way. But trying to play devil's advocate, I guess it makes you want to tune in next week to find out what's going on. Well, if you're a, an Ed Leslie fan, it makes you want to tune in next week. Um, to try and figure out what's going on. This this guy here slapping his arse cheeks and, and, and gyrating around, surely that's the Zodiac. Why is he dressed like that? And they're calling him the booty man. And now he's with Hogan. It, if anything, it kind of is a, a sort of a little hook to say next week we might find out more. But it is quite a confusing situation, isn't it? Yeah, especially when for the last five, six months he's been fighting Hulk Hogan and Macho Man. Yeah. <laughs> Why all of a sudden has he turned? And um, yeah, it's just weird. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Uh, it's a middle for me as well, but uh, I wouldn't rush back to watch this again. But at the same time, 
it's not awful. There's enough there that kept me entertained. So it, it's not a top, top show. But yeah, it's it's all right. It's all right. So it's the middle for me as well this week, but Brilliant, mate. Okay, Danny, do you want to let everybody know whereabouts they can find you online, on Twitter, all the excellent shows you're involved in, and so forth? Yep, you can find me on Twitter at Scottish Juggalo. You can hear me on One Man's Meat podcast with the great Chris Bellis. You can hear me on um, Back When with the great Ty Peters. And you can hear me here next week where we'll hopefully not be talking about the booty man. (laughs) (laughs) Brilliant. (laughs) Uh, I do strongly recommend you go and follow Danny on Twitter at Scottish Juggalo. Look out for the retweets of his shows when you can catch other content he's involved in. Back When is, is a great concept. Looking back on all different formats of entertainment. Back when such and such a movie came out. Back when a certain band released a certain album. Back when the WWF promoted a certain show. That the the broadness of that that particular show is is fascinating. And the, the, the dynamic between yourself and Tyler Peters, our good friend, is is really, really good. And also One Man's Meat I love as well because the wrestling podcasting is such a saturated market. There's so many wrestling podcasts out there. But I guarantee there aren't many that have covered the career of test in TNA. I guarantee there aren't many that sort of tick the boxes of what you're covering on one man's meet. So if you're, if you're into your wrestling podcast, which of course you are, if you're listening to this show, I assume go and check out Danny's show with Chris Bellis, one man's meet and the spinoff as well, disgusting off or looking at horror movies. Cause that's always really informative to me as well. Talk about movies that I haven't necessarily seen. So it sort of makes me want to look out for them. But yeah, it's it's a wrestling podcast, but it's not talking about the stuff that everyone else talks about. So it's well worth tracking down and pressing play on. Thank you, mate. <laughs> no problem. No problem. Uh, you can find, well, I'm going to say you can find me, but that's not important right now. What is important is that you track down the network at SJP World Media on Facebook and Twitter. And from there, you will get links to all the shows that the network carries. For example, Nitro Nights. That's why you're listening to this one right now on the network. You also have Chain Wrestling with our good friend Magsy live on a Monday night, but also a podcast version later in the week. We have the Doctor Who pod with Dan Griffin and I. We have people covering weekly WWE television. They watch, so you don't have to. And that's Benny Mac with In the Corner. And also we have our three friends from the States, the awesome Ohio trio of Yvonne, Chuck and Josh. Uh, with regularly scheduled hostilities looking at wwe week by week as well so much content there i keep forgetting shows i keep forgetting which ones are there the power palace with my wife and i uh the waiting room coming back very soon to coincide with the new episodes of quantum leap the reboot of the show coming so much going on and believe it or not even more new shows still come into the network so at sjp world media there or you can follow this show on Facebook and Twitter at Nitro underscore Nights. That's at Nitro underscore Nights. Danny, it's been awesome. I think your hope of us not seeing the Booty Man next week, I don't think you're going to have much joy, my friend. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I will speak to you next week then, bud. Take care, mate. And to everyone else, as always, thank you for listening. <laughs>